The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. I was here beforehand doing my prep. Oh, okay. Like I do for every show. <laughs> This week on Dually Review, we review Moonshine Number 1. Set during Prohibition deep in the backwoods of Appalachia, Moonshine Number 1 tells the story of Lou Pirlo, a city-slick torpedo sent from New York City to negotiate a deal with the best moonshiner in West Virginia, one Hiram Holt. What Lou doesn't figure is that Holt is just as cunning and ruthless as any NYC crime boss, because not only will Holt do anything to protect his illicit booze operation, he'll stop at nothing to protect a much darker family secret. A bloody, supernatural secret that must never see the light of day, or better still, the light of the full moon. So what'd you think of the uh, old moonshine there? Uh, the first thing I thought was, man, that's a lot of F-bombs. <laughs> well, it is. Um, it, it's Image Comics, right? And as we talk yeah. almost every week, how many titles coming out of Image Comics are the mature reader's title? And certainly Moonshine Number 1 from Brian Azzarello and Eduardo Rizzo, or Rizzo, yeah. uh, are uh, t- totally in that mature, mature ratings category. Now, are they the team that was behind 100 Bullets? Um, I believe so, I'm, um, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Brian Azzarello, yeah, this this is the duo. Because this this reminded me visually, not I mean it mm-hmm. was it's not even close to the same story. But I, as I was well, reading this, I was like, killed. this feels like yeah. yeah, this feels like a precursor to One Hundred Bullets, and I expected Agent Graves to show up. I don't know if it's really a precursor. But I mean, it, it's certainly the creative team, but this is really a different yeah. story in the backwoods of Virginia. During Prohibition, mm-hmm. there's a moonshiner up there in Nimdar Hills. Up in the hills, her name makes is some, Granny Clampett. And he makes some good whiskey or gin or whatever that he's making in that uh, still. Shot, Sorghum. And the big, and the big um, mob bosses in New York, or one of the big mob bosses in New York, wants it because if they can get it from Virginia to New York, they'll be sitting pretty and sitting rich. So this story... Uh, focuses on one of the um, boss man's lackeys who has come down to Virginia to try to get out of some deal that he has with the boss man by striking a new deal with the moonshiners. Yeah. And the moonshiner has uh, an important message for him. (laughs) We we kill people that back, back, backstab us. Right. You don't, you don't want to get on our bad side like these revenues. Let, let me hear you squeal like a pig. All that, you see them dead revenuers? Yeah. So I mean, honestly, that, the, that's, at the beginning that's of the, an incredible scene. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it totally is. Uh, beginning of the ep- uh, beginning of the issue, not the episode. Deposition. Um, the the G men are tramping through the woods looking for the still, and they're about to destroy it when they are attacked by something that rips them to shreds. And um, you know, as you know, in your oh. horror stories. Those small little backwoods communities that like to keep them to themselves like to keep to themselves for a reason. They have secrets. So, yeah, we don't find out what the secret is, although we know it's werewolves because it said so in the solicitations. 
Right. Which is annoying. Eh, yeah, I guess. I mean, a man stumbles out of the woods naked. He's got blood all over his face and his body. Um, I mean, the other option would be vampires, except it's daytime. Uh, sometimes vampires go out in the day. I don't think so. That's that's kind of not a good idea. Okay. Because they kind of burn up and stuff. Okay. Um, unless they're a daywalker, in which case they uh, are hunted by the vampires. But I don't think that's the case here either. <laughs> okay. And of course, that's also a different company. Right, and a and a you know a different thing, and you know vampires are made up, so the rules can be whatever you want. No, vampires are real. I think we all know it. We stab them through the heart, wear them garlic uh, garlic necklaces. Yeah, you know what else dies if get you stab the, it in the heart? Get the get the squirt gun of, of holy water. Oh no, everything. Oh no, you can't stab the doctor in the heart because he's got That's two hearts. Right. You could stab him in both hearts. Well, that'd be a little bit harder. You know, a Time Lord vampire would be terrifying. Time Lord vampire would probably be the worst thing ever in the history of the universe. Although, it would... You would think a Time Lord vampire, because he would have access to all of space and time. Mm-hmm. Providing he's not converting them to other Time Lord vampires. Because if you got bit by a vampire Time Lord, would you be an immortal Time Lord? Or would you just be a vampire? Think about this. If you stake him, does he just regenerate? Oh, yeah. He probably would. See? You'd have to stake him 12 times. Or 13, depending on, you know, your count. Um, but um, I'm, I wonder, because he would have access to all of space-time, if mm-hmm. the body count would be relatively low because of the entire of space-time that he would have access to, right? So if you kill like 20 people in a week, that's a huge body count, right? But if you kill but if like, you think about it. if you kill like 2 million people over the course of a billion years, that's like nothing. But he's an immortal vampire who can travel. And if he travels back to yesterday, the things that have Ooh. happened have always have had. No, happen. here's the thing with a time Lord vampire, because the doctor that we know ha- is compassionate. He would go back to the same day and kill the same person again and again and again every time he needed to feed. <laughs> Thus, he's saving everyone else because he's only killing that one person. And it or, bothers him so much that that is the pain that he has to carry with him. And, and, and oh, how about this? Let's say it's, uh, let's say it's the year 2100, right? Mm-hmm. And the Time Lord vampire kills an elderly person. And he keeps right. killing, killing this elderly person again and again and again. And that's the pain that he must endure. But to complicate things, he runs into the younger version of the person that he's killing in the past. And that person becomes his companion. And thus he's even more tortured. You know what's weird? Think about this. What if it's not the doctor? What if it's the master? And he goes back and kills everyone in history. But he keeps traveling back and killing everyone to the point where everyone is not only dead, they've always been dead and there's no one left to kill. So he has to go further and further back in time till he goes back to the dawn of time and the first sentient being and he kills it and causes a new big crunch, which causes the universe to explode. And then there's a new universe and it's just like Flashpoint. Only different. Probably be just like uh, Secret Wars. That's the Secret Secret War. 
That's the secret war. The, the, the unit, war against the unit is also trying to track him down through the right. ages. I but like, the problem is unit like, doesn't know if it's the 70s or the 80s, and thus they're lost. But that's how they survive, because nobody knows if they're in the 70s or the 80s. So that ambiguity keeps them alive because I, I of much temporal prefer the, ability zone. I much prefer – now, you could have – you could have two vampire time lords. Right. One that is going around and killing maliciously that unit is trying to hunt down, but they confuse it with the tortured time lord vampire that has this companion that he knows in 50 years he's going to kill. Again and again and again. What if you woke up and not only are you a vampire, everybody's a vampire because a vampire time traveler has gone back and slowly bitten everybody. Well, that's what I was saying. It depends. I mean, you can only go so far before you, the whole, you can only go so far before you ruin the premise because if everyone's a vampire, then no one's special and your story's over. Trent Reznor said the world is a vampire. I think he was just saying that the world sucks. Despite all his rage, he is still sick of Nicolas Cage. I think, listen, listen, seriously. I think we're all sick of Nicolas Cage. (laughs) <laughs> I'm sick of <laughs> So here's what I like about this story. It is all set up, right? Yes. Uh, this oh. is this is first issue as prologue. Basically. Yeah, it is, and I think it, I think it does set up our characters, right? We've got this uh, uh, city slicker who doesn't mm-hmm. know the way of the backwoods, thinks that he can bring his big city ways to the small town and get any of the women that he wants, and he's stumbled upon something that he won't be able to explain, and tie this back into Nicolas Cage. It's almost like the wicker man. Yeah. It's, it's got elements of that. It's got elements of that, uh, you know, person in a strange little town that you see in every third Stephen King movie Mm -hmm. and all the hammer horror films. And that's great because that is such a weird premise to tie to this, you know, John Dillinger kind of, Oh yeah. "Yeah, See, we're all going to fight. See, we're going to go on. We're going to and it, again, it, it takes place before, and I've, I've said this a lot, it takes place before the first nuclear bomb, at which right. point technology ruins all magic and mystery. And so we're in a time period where you could have a family of uh, werewolves just living up the street from you and never know it until someone stumbles upon it. And then suddenly all mayhem breaks loose. The werewolves are nice people. You don't want to eat their hot pot, but they'll always come to the church social. You don't want to eat their hot and, pockets either. Yeah. And they'll be like, oh, we made cookies. <laughs> and, you know, don't don't ever borrow clothes from them because you'll always be brushing off hair. It's like, man, can someone please bring me a lint brush? Their name is actually lint brush. No, I think their name is. Uh, what is their name? It's Hiram like Holt. Hiram, Hiram and Holt. Martha lint brush. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what was, I watching? oh what was I watching today? Someone wanted to, a safe word in some show. Uh-huh. And my instinct, my instinctive thing was to just say, Martha. <laughs> <laughs> Because someone's about yeah. to die. So the safe uh, word is differential equations. I did like I did like this. I did like this setup in this story. And I really dug the art because it uses a very limited color palette. It almost kind of mm-hmm. feels, at least on the on the color side, uh, a little bit like Francesco Francovia because it, it limits the color palette um, mm-hmm. and creates sharp contrast. Uh, but unlike Francovia, it uses multiple colors where Francovia tends to use a duotone uh, right. coloring on all his stuff. This one has this, some shading, but I, I like the the mix of the, I mean, it's not quite orange and or teal and uh, teal and orange or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's pretty close to that in this. And it feels oldie timey. 
it reminded me of the Coen Brothers palette in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, which takes place in a similar time frame, where you have that kind of sepia tone and gray, blue, green. Mm-hmm. But you have reds and you have, I mean, you, you don't have a full range of color, but it kind of, you know, in, in the modern era, we think old photographs are right. old. And I think that this, this kind of ties into it. I don't know if you knew this, Stephen, but the world was in full color in the 30s. No, it was not because it, was. Uh, it didn't come color until uh, Dorothy went over the rainbow and that's when color was introduced. Everyone knows that. Was, that. that was 1939. Exactly, right? And this is 29. So the world is still black and white, which you have to give... Uh, Rizzo, that much more credit for colorizing the past. These are my mountains. I I love the, I love that when he goes to visit Hiram Holt, uh, he goes and he sees this guy with a huge scar on his face standing on the porch and he's like, what do you want? And the guy's trying to explain, Hey, I want to talk to your boss. He goes, well, you need to explain it to me in detail and then I'll go talk to him. And you kind of see in the explanation and then the reveal that our city slicker friend is just like, why am I explaining this to adult? This guy's an idiot. And I, I feel really like I'm wasting my time. And then the guy goes mm-hmm. inside and comes back out a few minutes later. And he's like, I'm Hiram Holt. And then the guy's like, oh, okay. So I kind of, I kind of dig that, that little bit of a ruse going on. Cause it does, you know, kind of fool the reader at the same time. Yeah. It, it throws you and the character work is very well done. And I think to some degree, when you're dealing with gangsters and, you know, backwoods folk, there's going to be a level of uh, stereotype. There's going to be a oh, level sure. of you have to of ex- of exaggeration, but it doesn't feel like it's way, way over the top. It doesn't feel like it's designed to mock either culture mm-hmm. because no, in a I lot of ways, I don't think it's, you know, when you when you're going to use a stereotype mm-hmm. uh, or a trope, maybe just trope would probably be more. Yeah, trope is a good you can use a trope without making fun of it, right? I mean, in yeah. this case, you've got this guy who thinks he's God's gifts to women, and the girl in the room is like giving him the stink eye. And turns out she's part of the Hiram fam or the Holt family, and so I, you know, I think you can use that. And and the hillbilly trope and the gangster trope, I think, I think works. But then again, we don't have any hillbillies or gangsters that are going to argue or complain. Yeah, and the ending leaves us in a very ambiguous, strange place, which I think could go, could go good, could go bad. Oh no, I think this is going to this series is going to end with uh, New, New York gangsters coming in and trying to, uh, you know, man versus nature this place, and it's going to end poorly for them. Either that, or we're going to have New York gangster werewolves. Oh, New York gangster werewolves! What will happen you know, when the we, New York gangster werewolves meet the Time Lord vampires? Oh <laughs> man, it's going to be such a crossover. It'll be uh, pretty boy Floyd. <laughs> yeah. So overall, everything's looking up for George Nelson, <laughs> <laughs> providing it's a full moon. Exactly. Overall, I got a kick out of this uh, comic. I mean, I uh, it's for me, and you know, surprisingly, right now, especially this month, kicks off a whole bunch of crime noir titles from various publishers. Titan uh, Publishing kicks off their uh, hard crime comics. We've got a bunch coming out of uh, of uh, Image Comics, and then there's another one uh, that uh, we just featured this week in our um, major spoiler staff picks. Uh, mm-hmm. eight, what is it called? 
I forget what it is. I picked it. Now I can't remember it because there are so many of them that are, yeah. that are on that list. There's a lot of new stuff. There is always new stuff every week uh, coming out from fine comic book publishers. Uh, Angel City uh, from Oni Press. Uh, hard-boiled 1930s noir starring Dolores Dare, previously Hollywood hopeful and current enforcer for the Vol- Volante mob. Ooh. So, yeah, I mean, that's, I'm interested. The Greg, in that. The Greg Berlanti I, mob. I, it's interesting that we're suddenly, and maybe it's just one of those coincidence things, but when you have like BPRD, which kind of explores the horror, you see crime uh, comics from Brian Azzarello and from um, Sean Phillips and um, uh, what's his name who did uh, um, The Fade Out, uh, Ed oh, Brubaker. Um, Ed Brubaker, yeah. I think we're starting to enter this age of, you know, a new genre of horror crime comics that are being mashed together. Um, probably in line with stuff that we saw back in the seventies, uh, with some of the creepy and, uh, tales from the crypt and some of the stuff before that, even before, um, the, yeah. um, the crime stuff, you know, you, you can go back to the, to the forties. Crime does not pay. From right. Right. Pyro. Mm-hmm. You can get into that really deep stuff. A lot of that went away with the comics. Right. That's what I'm saying. So pre pre code uh, comics, I kind of feel like we're and yeah, we could look at, you know, gross out comics like um, your favorite crossed uh, book and we could say, well, you know, that's a that's pre code type stuff. But what I'm talking about is, you know, this stuff that really is horror mixed with with crime. I don't even know that that gross out stuff is, is, you know, what you'd expect for a pre-code comic, but. Oh no, definitely it wouldn't be, but it's certainly saying, Hey, look what we can do. Right. What, look what we can do when we have no, no limitations and no expectations, which I suppose that's a fine. Is that okay to do? Is it okay to just say, Hey, we have no limitations and therefore, I mean, cross kind of examines that, right? I mean, crossed is like, what happens when you take away everyone's inhibitions and you take away any kind of a moral authority uh, from right. them, this is what happens. This extreme chaos happens. Does that well, suddenly make the book seem more meta than it, than it should be? The artistic, I, I really feel like it's the artistic intent with it. Crossed has an intent, or at least at one point had an intent that felt like we're trying to make a statement. We're trying mm-hmm. to say something about, you know, the nature of humanity or the brutality of us and how we suck and the monster is us, y'all. And that's that's fine. There's there's nothing wrong with that. But I think that there's a level of comfort as a reader where you you can look at something and say, I'm I really want to read more about, you know, the exploration of brutality and inhumanity and these terrible things. I just don't want to read that book. No, no, I so, understand that. But what I'm saying is when you take away limitations and what they've done in that book, aren't they, aren't they demonstrating why there maybe needs to be some maybe internal oversight from some perspectives? Yes. I mean, there are people for me, Romero zombies mm-hmm. are scarier than running zombies, right? But Romero zombies exist because of the limitations of filmmaking on a shoestring budget in 1967. Right. If you look at, you know, the 28 Days Later or the I Am Legend with those hordes of zombies or God help us, World War Z on film, those hordes of zombies to some people are the scariest thing ever. 
And they're much scarier than a Romero zombie. So it really is a matter of, I think, perspective. It's a matter of what you what you're going to say with them. Yeah. So I, I agree with you that sometimes the restraint, the limitations of a medium, the limitations of a comics code, the limitations of we can only shoot eight minutes worth of film on our Super 8 camera. All of that can lead to not even necessarily better, but different maybe in some ways uh, quantitatively more interesting material. Well, I think the but challenge, I think, I think it's working around that challenge and finding that creative, mm-hmm. you know, it's like a, uh, a kid that has, that has a once for nothing, right. Where he's right. spoiled and just gets everything he wants. He doesn't understand any kind of limitation. Whereas if a child has grown up and it's like, Hey, this is something we can afford. This is something we can't afford. This is something that's appropriate right. for you or not appropriate for you. When they grow up into that understanding, they, they, I, I don't want to say more well-rounded or whatever, but you know, right. it goes back to this but idea it, of you have this understanding of what is, what is, what can you go up against the wall before you've stepped over, right. stepped over that, uh, that limitation or stepped over that there's, boundary. There's an old saying that I like to remember, and it, it goes like this. You can never be too rich or too thin. And if you don't believe that, you've never truly been poor or fat. And in a lot of ways, that's true. I think that, for instance, if you look at something like House of a Thousand Corpses, that movie is scary as hell and it's disturbing and I don't ever want to watch it again. But it's partly disturbing because they intentionally said, we're not going to have any limits. We're never going to have any limits. We're going to put every single terrible urge viscerally in the middle of the screen and show this as, as, you know, brutally as possible. And that is a valid perspective. Whereas if you look at a film like, I don't know, what's, what's a good subtle slasher movie? Um, well, you know, I think uh, when you look at, um, you know, some of uh, Hitchcock's stuff, right? Uh, you know, especially when you look at um, um, Psycho, is Psycho or Vertigo or um, not Vertigo, um, well, Vertigo kind of, but um, Vertigo, Rear Window. Vertigo in a different way. Rear Window, definitely. Yeah, but, but even, yes, if but you, you can at... even look at you can even look at something like um, Halloween mm-hmm. where, you the know, original it's, Halloween, the Carpenter version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can get away with uh, some horror there that is not just. Massive amounts of of uh, body parts flying all over the place. You save that for your final glory shot or gory shot. And part of the reason that that, you know, the the shower murder sequence from Psycho, first of all, doesn't show murder. Right. It, It doesn't show a naked woman. It doesn't show a stabbing. It doesn't show anything. But part of the reason that people remember it and part of the reason that it is so enduring is because it doesn't show you a stabbing. It implies a stabbing and your brain fills in those. Right, lines. right. It's like uh, yeah. currently that um, Hurricane Matthew, you know, uh, uh, everyone's talking mm-hmm. today about the skull. That was the skull. Looks like kill face from Frisky Dingo. <laughs> yeah. And, and my son was talking about that. I was like, well, you realize that it's it's not the devil. It's not Obama. Right. It's not, you know, nobody is causing this this uh, skull to appear. It's it's all in your head. And right. And, it's and the we, human mind making patterns out of anything. And we've talked about this before that, at least for me, at least when your mind has to come up with the grossness and the scary part, it becomes even worse. And and we talked before about um, the scene in Reservoir Dogs where the guy's getting ready to saw off the guy's ear. And instead of the camera staying on it and you're seeing the ear Mm -hmm. getting chopped off and blood shooting out and all that stuff, 
the camera as he gets as he grabs the ear and gets ready to put that straight razor out of it. It pans away and you just hear the guy screaming. And that is what gets you. Right. Your horror is personal. Right. And more horrible than anything that someone else will and, put on. Screen. And that's how this issue starts out. Right. I mean, the G-men go yeah. to the to the um, uh, the still. And suddenly mm-hmm. we see something furry and we see a gun with some blood splatter and then we see an arm with some blood splatter and then we see a guy on the ground with a shadow over him and we cut to uh, some spooky eyes and then a wide shot of some birds flying mm-hmm. off into the moon with the guy screaming. And that's terrifying just by itself. Yep. And then later we see the aftermath, but we never see the revenuers get ripped apart, which right. again, that's that is a con- a specific decision because clearly from the language they could show anything they want. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that's what it's creator owned, they could do whatever to. they want to. Right. That's what it kind of comes down to. These creators chose to do a gory discretion shot, not because they couldn't draw it on the page, not because they wouldn't draw it on the page, but because letting you fill in those blanks, you, the reader, mm-hmm. uh, that the regal you, whatever you want to call it, yeah. fill in those blanks makes it a personal horror, makes it something that's all in your imagination. And, you know, that's better in a lot of ways. And I, I, I can definitely see, and you can definitely make a case for this would have been a different book but possibly no less successful if they had given us five pages of cross style abominations and decapitation. monsters chewing yeah. off limbs and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. It just would have been a different kind of material. Mm-hmm. And that that's what it really comes down to is what is the creator and the audience? What it, what is the compact that they are, that they are entering into when reading this book is the horror is a little bit more subtle. The horror is a little more, engrossing it's it's it feels like a period tale where you don't have to scare people with the details you can scare them with the generalities yes and that's why i really enjoyed this book and i think if you kind of lie if you're if a listener is is listening to this and they're like i man i don't know what these guys have been talking about time lord vampires (laughs) and moonstillers and uh, johnny depp and all this stuff no Um, one said johnny depp see you're in the joke man (laughs) <laughs> I, I I really I recommend mean, yes re- Johnny Depp. Hee <laughs> <laughs> That I, sure I, was a great joke. I uh-huh. really I really miss uh, Moonshine Number One. I mean, not miss. I really recommend Moonshine Number One. <laughs> uh, I because sure do miss it. I, I sure do miss it. I wish it. I could read the. Uh, I wish I could read issue number two right now. I, I enjoyed it a lot, and I don't know how long this is. I don't know if it's a five or six issue miniseries, or if I doubt it's an ongoing. But um, I, I got a is. kick out of it, so I'm giving it a thumbs up, and I'm recommending it. I'll bet that this is an ongoing as long as it needs to be. Yeah, maybe. Because a lot 12, of times 12 issues max. Into, I don't know. You could probably pull 25 out of this. I think that you could do a two-year arc. I think you could do multiple arcs depending on what your actual hook is. I don't know yet whether the hook is hillbilly vampires or city city slickers versus hillbilly vampires or city slickers come and find something secret and arcane in in the uh woods of Mississippi Mississippi maybe what they find out is everyone's a werewolf yes everyone's a werewolf because the doctor was bitten by a werewolf and went back in time yeah, yeah. So are you recommending this or not recommending this I would recommend it I would say that visually it's stunning oh yeah really good 
the story still has a lot up in the air, and I feel like this is this is less well rounded than I would like a, a first issue. I would have liked maybe another ten pages to give us a little more meat, but yeah, they said meat because it's about werewolves. Yeah, oh, I'm, what if they I'm were vegetarian werewolves? And the reason that guy's upset when he comes running out of the woods is because he uh, he he's no longer a vegetarian werewolf. Vegetarian wolves. Yeah, there you go. Something. Out next week from Dark Horse Comics. Vegan we have, Thropes. Um, oh, Vegan Thropes. Out next week from Dark Horse Comics, we have Vegan Thropes number one. Also, Yay! Call of Duty Black Ops 3 number six. It's a final issue in that miniseries. Uh, let's see. Hellboy and Hell Trade Paperback Volume 2 comes out, as does Neil Gaiman's Troll Bridge hardcover and Terminal okay. City Library Edition hardcover $49.99 there. Uh, over at DC Comics, Action Comics 965, All-Star Batman number three, Batgirl and the Birds of Prey number three, Deathstroke number four. Oh boy, I bet we're going to see a lot more Deathstroke in the coming uh, two years. Uh, let's see. Uh, Flash number eight, Lost Boys number one comes out next week. Scooby Apocalypse number six, Superwoman number three. Oh, those are some of the titles coming out next week from DC Comics. Over at IDW Pro- uh, Publishing, Back to the Future, Out of Time, Dice Game. Well, that'll be different. Gotta uh, go back in time. Duck Avenger number one. Duck Avenger. Oh, that's what I wanted to talk about on, on the Major Spoilers podcast. What's that? Did you know that Tad Stones, who we've interviewed on the Major Spoilers website multiple times, uh, he's the creator of Darkwing Duck. Yes. He makes the claim that yes. Darkwing Duck takes place in a different universe than DuckTales. Yes. I don't believe an alternate, an alternate universe. Well, the differences in launch pad are marked. And as comic book fans, it would be pretty easy to write that off as the earth one versus earth two version of launch pad. Maybe, but they're too similar. I don't know, man. If you actually listen to the character delivery, uh, in Darkwing duck, as opposed to DuckTales, it feels like, Launchpad is considerably older and more experienced and has a slightly deeper voice and a more heroic aspect. And it feels like it's a different reality. And I can, I can definitely see where the creator would want it to be oh, a yeah. different reality, even though there's a lot of crossover. I think Gizmo Duck crossed over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but Gizmo Duck came across the bridge from Duckburg. Did we ever see any of the other Duckburg characters? It's been so long. I would have to go back and look. Um, I remember Neptuna. Yeah, <laughs> I would have to go back and look. It's been it's been decades since I've been able to watch any. Of really, those, so. all I remember about Darkwing Duck is the first Fearsome Five episode, mm-hmm. and the episode where the Justice Ducks of America. I'm not a duck. I used to be. <laughs> came together. Because I I just love that running gag of I'm not a duck I used to be. <laughs> IDW See, publishing one of the ducks was actually a dinosaur. IDW see. publishing also has October Faction Deadly Season number one and mm-hmm. the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles ongoing number sixty three. Look for that on Rob's staff picks next week. Three. Yeah, Image Comics be- has Glitter Bomb number two. Uh, oh, the We're fade going out. To glitter bomb. Listen, I was talking about Ed Brubaker's uh, the fade out. Definitely mm-hmm. go check out the fade out, fade out deluxe edition hardcover out next week. Fifty bucks. The book, uh, the story itself is totally worth it. Plus, there's a lot of bonus content, and I don't know what they're putting in the deluxe edition. But man, what a what a very good uh, noir Hollywood tale 
coming out of the, the late 40s, early 50s, or mid-50s, whatever it is, is really good, people. Go check that out. Uh, Killer Be Killed number three arrives, as does Savage Dragon Archives Trade Paperback Volume 7. Mature readers, Matthew. Mm, they always are. Sex number 32, Shutter number 23, and Tokyo Ghost Trade Paperback Volume 2. Over at Marvel Comics, Darth Vader number 25, I believe that is the last issue in that uh, run. Clone yep. Conspiracy number one. Oh, that's the, the Spider-Man tale. I'm all, uh, all going to get all into that. Yeah. Howard the Duck number 11, Old Man Logan number 12, Mosaic number one, and X-Men Gambit and Rogue. X-Men Gambit and Rogue trade paperback, twenty four ninety nine. In the rest category, we have Belladonna number one, Black Eyed Kids number seven. Uh, let's see. Dark Souls, Legend of the Flame, number two of two. Death Force, number five. Deathstrike, Blood Force. Uh, Jungle Fantasy, Ivory, number three, arrives. Uh, we have, you want to guess how many variant covers we have on this one? Ten. You are correct. Ten exactly. We have... The regular cover, the luscious cover, the luscious nude cover, the natural beauty cover, the natural beauty nude cover, the nude cover just by itself. Right. It's <laughs> not sultry, natural. The sultry the cover, the sultry nude cover, the wrap cover, and the wrap nude cover. Wow. <laughs> the shower cover, the nude shower cover, the nude shower nude cover nude. Rivers of London Black Mold M-O-U-L-D oh, number one of five. Rivers of London. Uh, Warhammer 40K, Will of Iron number one, and Wrath of the Eternal Warrior number 12. Those are just some of the books coming out next week. You can, of course, you can find the complete list over at Majorspoilers.com just a day or two before the uh, comic shop has them. And you can find out what you're going to get when you head to your LCS. Next week on Dueling Review. Lost Boys number one. Santa Carla, California is on the edge, probably all the damn vampires. The eccentric coastal town and haven for undead was finally returning to normal after its last supernatural scuffle left the local coven's head vampire dead and gave newcomers Michael and Sam Emerson a housewarming both violent and bizarre. Now the brothers must once again team up with militant vampire hunters Edgar and Alan Frog when a new gang of ruthless, stunning, life-sucking nightcrawlers known as the Blood Bells emerges from the aftermath to collect Michael's love interest and their lost sister, Star. Star. Uh, you can show your support for this show and everything we do at Major Spoilers by becoming a Patreon member at patreon.com slash Spoilers. Contribution allows us to keep this show going, pay for our growing costs, and gives us motivation to do more stuff for you. Plus, you get access to a bunch of other bonus stuff. You can find out more at patreon.com slash Spoilers. Thank you so much for checking out Dueling Review, and we will talk with you next time when you'll hear Matthew say... We are never going back to Arizona. This podcast is copyright 2016 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.